All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. You are so good. You are so faithful. We praise you for today, Lord. We just pray that you will have your way completely in every one of our hearts, Lord. We shut down the voice of the enemy in every single way. We shut down confusion. We shut down anything that will be a distraction from your word getting to us, Lord. We pray that you will um, just pierce our hearts, Lord, with your convicting power, Lord, that we will see how free we are in you uh, with the word that you're going to give us today, Father. We pray that this will be something we can take away and apply to our lives and that our lives will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just get into it. How's everyone feeling? Good? Awesome. Ah, God is so good. I am very excited, if you can't tell. I am really excited. God has been doing some amazing things since DMS, and uh, he's just going to keep doing it. So let's go to Ephesians 4. That's in chapter 4, and we're going to start at the 17th verse. How many still bring real Bibles? Yeah? Yeah? Josh, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what that is, but it, it, it's, it's something. You brought it. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's hear those pages turn. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Or you can have your iPad and, you know, you can click. I, I got both. Yeah, phone. It's all good. Nothing wrong with it. it it's not a sin. <laughs> but I do like the feeling of turning pages. It's really good. All right, I'm going to start at verse 17. You guys there? You guys there? Yeah, I got some people talking back to me. It's going to be really good today. All right, verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. So they're ignorant because of the hardness of their heart. It's really interesting. 19, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So Paul is actually telling them this is what you are meant to do. Put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And you're also to put on or to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. 25th verse, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor For we are members one of another. 
Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corruption talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Amen. The name of my message today is more of a declaration that has actually been happening with me really since maybe a couple weeks, pre-DMS. Um, and it's just three words, but it's really a declaration. The name of it is not going back. Not going back. It's going to take a lot for me to just constrain myself because I, I can feel the presence of God right now. It, something happened in DMS. I don't know if it's just me, but for those who were in DMS, did something take place for you as well? Yeah, something happened that was quite powerful. And, and it does. Normally in DMS intensive, it, it happens. You know, we get six days together and the Holy Spirit just does heart surgery on every single person there. And the more you surrender the more you actually feel the freedom, the more he just starts to pull things out of you that is so powerful because you start to see who you really are in Christ. The whole purpose of us being Christians and being ambassadors of Christ, we have to know who we are. That's it. We got to know if we know who we are, then we can walk in the power of God consistently and faithfully. But we have to know who we are. And I think especially in this DMS even going into DMS, which is the pre-part of it, when Maria came and, you know, all of our team was getting together, an impartation really flowed to the point that we actually, especially me, I can speak for myself, that it became or it started to become more about what God wanted to do through me and not about what I wanted, which is incredible. I mean, you think... You know, for me, being fifth-generation Christian, growing up in a church and knowing who God is, being saved at a young age, praying in the Spirit, having the baptism of the Holy Spirit at a young age, and, you know, learning the ways of God, you think you would come to a point that you know everything, and then God shatters your whole world, your whole foundation, and shifts everything and really shows you who he really is. It's powerful because when you get the freedom of God and you start to really recognize with the truths that we preach in DMS, you start to see who God is. You start to come up to a place where all you want to do is touch the people who don't know Jesus. 
That's all you want to do. You want to find people who don't know what you know. And that's what happened at DMS. It was like everything just started to click. Every void in my heart started to be filled, but it was filled for the sake of reaching people. It wasn't about me anymore. And, and, and yeah, it, you, you think that, and it's like, oh, but, you know, God, I've, you know, I'm married, and I have kids, I have a wife. It's not about me. But in reality, when something happens in the heart, you, you recognize for yourself that it, it, really, it really is not about me. It's about every single person who don't know and who does not have the love of God boiling and burning up within them that they can't stop worshiping. It's, it's, it, these people have to know what it means to pray in the spirit and you don't want to stop. These people have to know what it means to call on the name of the Lord because you're a child and you actually feel like a child. Just like Dan said, when God took his spirit off of his son and put it on us and we can cry, Abba, Father, that's truth. We can actually cry, Abba, Father, because I know him as my dad. Oh, it's, it's powerful. And for me, especially after the intensive, it, it started, it's like the lights started to come on in the sense of why am I actually here? What am I actually living for? What is my ambition? Why am I so caught up in trying to live as society tells me to live, which is try to get as much as I can in this world, whether it's material things, whether it's possessions, anything that makes my life a little more comfortable, because that's what, at the end of the day, it's about, right? That's what I'm living for. And really, that is not what it's about. It's actually about me trying to reach as many people as I can, whatever sphere or whatever atmosphere I'm in, whether it's my work place, whether it's my family, whether it's just people that I meet along the way. It's actually about being the light and being ambassadors for Christ. I just started jotting things down, like tired of living beneath my privilege as a child of God. Tired of neglecting promises that I have been given or that's been given to me and even restored to me when Jesus finished the work on the cross. Tired of living for a world that I'm not even a citizen of. Because the Bible says I'm a citizen of the kingdom. Oh, man, I'm trying trying to keep it together. I'm, I'm a citizen of the kingdom. I belong somewhere else. I belong to him. the, The Bible tells me I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. It doesn't say I'm seated under Christ. And yes, he is my Lord. He is my master. I bow to him just like we sang, sang in the song that Joel was singing. I bow to him. I'm made to worship him. But the Bible tells me I'm not seated under Christ, but I'm seated with him. And if Christ is above all power and all principalities and all the darkness of the, this world and everything that is under him, he is far above it. If I'm seated with him, that makes me far above it. 
That's where I belong. I'm a citizen of the kingdom. So why am I acting as if I'm a citizen of this world? Why do I go for things and have an ambition that only takes me somewhere that's temporary and it doesn't have me focus on what Diane preached on yesterday, uh, last week, which is the things that are above. See, every one of you, when you got baptized, you got immersed in the water and you left the old man there. That master is gone. That's why it is so important when we do baptism, because as you come up, you now have access, but now you have the ability to live for Christ. You have the power to live for him. So everything you do, it is for the building of the kingdom. Amen? So why am I wasting, another thing I wrote, my time building into a vision that distracts me from the business of the kingdom of God? put so much effort into making sure that I'm so comfortable enough to pass through the short years I have here and hardly any effort in being effective for the kingdom. This is what I've become tired of. Living with a fire that is in me, which is the Holy Spirit, and it's ready to burn. It's ready to burn. But it's my choices, and it's me not adding any wood to the fire because the things of the world that I live in are just way too big of a concern. But I'm not going back. I'm not going back. When we read what Paul is writing here, Paul's actually writing to the Ephesians because if you read the backstory of Ephesus, Ephesus was this metropolis, like the the center of Asia that had all of the pagan worship, all of the religious activity, all of the spiritual deepness of it. Princess Diana was a huge part of Ephesus. And everyone that came from all over the world, when they came to Asia, especially to Ephesus, they would worship this goddess. They would worship and have pagan worship. This is what they did. This is how they were, um, you know, stimulated within their minds and within their hearts. They poured themselves out to things and to idols because that's what Ephesus was about. But when Jesus came... And when Paul and other people that came with the message of the gospel, it shifted the whole place. It changed the whole place. The place was never the same. So when Paul's writing here, he's actually telling them, this is what happened with you guys. Don't be like the Gentiles that are still thinking with the uselessness of their minds, trying to figure out how this life works, because that's not what you learned when it came to Jesus, what you learned was to put off the old self, take off the old mindset and put on the new. So even today, when we take what is written here and we can apply that to our own lives, especially coming out of DMS, the one thing that I find 
when you get the freedom and the fire and the identity that happens and you start to know who you are, especially coming out of DMS intensive, the way the enemy works is he subtly slides in the way you used to do things, the way you used to think. We all get incredible testimonies out of DMS. Oh, man, I I used to be so anxious. I used to be so fearful. I used to be so angry. I used to be so bitter. I used to be so many of these things, and now I'm free. But the enemy says, okay, you think you're free. But now you have to learn how to fight in the life and in the real world of going back into the everyday society that we are meant to be ambassadors from Christ and bring the kingdom into the world we live in. So now here's the battle. You've gotten free from this, but now I'm going to try to work on you as the enemy and subtly bring you back to the way you used to do what you used to do. So society tries to tell you, oh, if you're anxious, it's, it's okay. It's okay to have anxiety. You were coping with it before. Yeah, I know you got free, but let, let's really, let's, let's face it. Seriously, that was, that was one week. So you can just chalk that up as something that happened that was really nice, but now you have to deal with this. What are you going to do? I, I, I think you should take this on and just learn how to cope with it and just learn how to, you know, let it be with you. But, you know, it's still a part of your identity. But it's not. Oh, well, yeah, you were fearful of all of these things that you had to face. And it kind of held you up from doing the work that you wanted to do. Uh, But now you've been free. But let's Really look at that. It's been three or four weeks after DMS and life hasn't changed. So how are you going to really handle this situation with your boss? You have a presentation to put up and that fear is coming. I think you need to just learn how to accept it because that fear is really a part of your identity. This is how the enemy works. It's, it's, it's all about him trying to get us to refer back to the things that we do have to face, but with the old mindset. But Paul is saying, no, that's not how you learn Christ. This is not some magical, weak conversion that happened, and then you get to a place now where you have to go back to the real way of living. This is the real way of living. You've put on the new man because, see, the old man brings old mindsets, and it's all about, with the old mindsets, deceitful desires. Paul says it here. He says, as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. So what is some of the deceitful desires that we can actually say exists. Well, later on in that passage, I think it's the 31st verse, he names a few things. The few things he names as bitterness. See, bitterness is all about, I'm, I'm upset and whatever has happened, I need vindication because 
once I get vindicated for what has taken place, and I'm justified to feel this way, and the reason I'm bitter is because I didn't like what this person did to me. I didn't like what they said about me. And I'm going to hold on to this until I get justified from feeling this way. So we let bitterness dwell in our hearts until we think, okay, now I've been vindicated. I can let it go. But that's, we're being deceived already because we don't actually let the bitterness go until we forgive. Anger or wrath, which is an accelerated or a, uh, an, an expressed anger to the point of rage because we don't like what we hear. We don't like what's being said because, again, it's not about us. Yeah, this person has had something good happen to them, but I haven't. So I'm, I'm angry about it. I'm upset about it because no one hears my voice. Clamor, when you talk about the protests that you feel like you should have and you want to voice your opinion based off of something that happened to you because it's all about us. And we all go through these things. Slander, that's a big one because I'm willing to put someone else's name down. I'm willing to put someone else's reputation down. I'm willing to talk about someone to the point that it makes them look so bad because I have to look good. After all, it's not my fault. Malice. I know what malice is, but I actually looked up the word malice, and it's actually frightening. I mean, you're, malice is you're actually willing to do something so bad to someone else that it can cause physical or mental or emotional harm to them just for the sake of you feeling better about the situation that you feel like you need to be justified for. That's malice. See, all of these things that Paul is saying you have to put away is because it keeps us as victims in our own lives and in our own situations. And I don't want to be a victim anymore because in the kingdom, I'm a victor. And if I'm a victor, I have to let all of these things go. Every one of these things that Paul names, it all points and directs the finger back to me feeling justified. It's the old mindset that actually isolates me from people. It isolates me in my own world. It puts me in a place where if I don't get vindicated for how I feel, then I tend to start blaming every person or everything around me because no one sees it the way I see it. And before you realize it, the deceitfulness of it is that you find yourself in a place where you think, no one gets me. No one understands me. No one sees what I see. No one really gets it. And then I'm in this own bubble, and I'm in this own world, that everything is about me. So if that's the old man, then what does the new man look like? What does the new man 
symbolized. Well, the new man obviously carries a new mindset. And it's interesting because as I was reading this, I could see what Paul was saying. When you're putting on Christ and you're putting on the new man, you do things differently. In verse 25, it says, therefore, having put away falsehood, which is part of the old man, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one of another. He, has, he, he, he hasn't made it about me. He's made it about my neighbor. He's made it about people when you put on the new mindset. It's actually about you're thinking more, you're more cognizant about those that are around you. Verse 28. He says, let the thief no longer steal. When I'm stealing or whatever I'm doing as a thief, that, that's about me. But rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. It's about other people. It's about giving. It's about being generous. It's about the thought of what I can do to be a blessing to someone else. Because that is the new man. 29, he says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Again, the concept, the thinking, it's about other people. Let me speak with life because those that are around me, it gives grace to them who hear. It actually builds up. And that's what we learn even in DMS, even when it comes to the prophetic. It's about building up. If we speak with life in the world that we live in, whether it's our work life, whether it's our family life, what, whatever, wherever you find yourself, whatever circle it is, you will be surprised at how people will gravitate to you because all you do is speak life. Yes, life happens. Situations occur. Things happen that it is so easy to get down and it is so easy to speak negatively. But when you speak life, it's like something in them rises up and they just want to keep hearing you because it ignites the hope that may have been dormant or may be lying dormant within them. It ignites something that they just say, you know what, I need to be around you a little bit more. And where do you you know, where do you go and how do you see it this way and why do you think this way? Because I have a new man that I have waked that has been awakened by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I walk in the new man. I put on the new man. I have a new mindset. And in my new mindset, all I think about is other people. Because I want these other people to have what I hope now. The faith that is in my hope, which is in Christ, it is, it is bubbling up inside of me. I can't shake it. This is what it means to walk 
in the new man. But it doesn't happen on its own. That's why the name of the message here is, I'm not going back to the way that I used to think, to the way I used to do things, because it is a choice that I have to make every single day. I have to choose to be in a position and in a posture of hearing what God wants to talk to me about and being in a place where I can hear what he wants to say and I can be used according to how he wants to use me in the circle and in the atmosphere that I'm in. This has nothing to do with, you know, if I I can clarify, wherever you work, whatever position you hold, whether you're a CEO or a secretary, it, it doesn't matter. It actually doesn't matter. What matters is how you perceive the position and how you're willing to be a vessel for the kingdom of God to affect the people that only you can affect in that space. That's what matters, whether we're artists, whether we're businessmen, whether we're students. For us that are married, our spouses. For us that are single, walking through life together as friendships. Wherever we are, it, it actually doesn't matter. What matters is where we find ourselves, what are we going to choose to do? Are we going to go back and kind of work in the old mindset, which is really living beneath the privilege that we have in Christ and look at things from that perspective? Or are we going to step and clothe ourselves with Christ every day, choosing to pour into our spirit and into our spirit man? The old man is just, look, simply put it, it's just the flesh. It's just what the flesh wants. And all the flesh wants is me. I want to be heard. I want to be justified. I, I want to be right. You could ask Anna. I, I like to be right. I'm serious. Really. I'm telling you. Whatever situation you're in, just let the Holy Spirit deal with you. You will find what your flesh wants is completely opposite to what your spirit wants. Romans says that the flesh is enmity to God. It cannot be subject to the law of God. If you let the flesh do what it wants to do, the flesh is never going to tell you, oh, I'm tired of myself. I now want to come up under the submission of Christ. It will never happen. So it's a few things that I want to take away or that I want to take away when it comes to actually carrying the new mindset and putting on the new man, which is our spirit man in Christ, walking according to the spirit so that we will not fulfill the lust and the desires of the flesh. Number one, we have to be committed. We got to be committed to the everyday choices of choosing our spirit over our flesh. And I said this and and left this with the DMS as we begin our mentorship tomorrow, actually, next week. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to being with every one of you. But we got to be committed. 
Bible talks about us being committed. When Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, he said, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they are the ones that will be filled. And when I used to read that until I got a better revelation, I used to think, okay, God, make me hungry. Yeah, he puts hunger in you, but that scripture alone is actually taught. It's a verb. You have to position yourself and hunger for the word. You have to thirst for it. God does the filling, but it is us choosing to be hungry. That changes the whole game. It's like, man, I, I have to actually open this up when I don't feel like it. Because what, what feeds my spirit, man, more than anything? This. I, have to, I actually have to get on my knees and pray and talk to God. Because what communicates with my spirit, man? The Holy Spirit. If I'm not doing that, if I'm not engaging, if I'm not putting the effort in, how can I expect God to come down and say, oh, you didn't do this, so let me put you over here and put you on your knees and pray. And now let me open the word for you, and now let me read it for you, and I've done, I've done everything. No, we have to partner. We can't go back to that old mindset. We have to be committed to the new one. Number two, we got to be aggressive. We have to show the aggression. And that picture that Jesus illustrates when it comes to Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, when he says the kingdom of God suffers violence, but it is the violent that take it by force. He's talking to a crowd and he's telling these people who are pressing into Jesus. They're pressing into him. This is what it looks like. If you want what I have for you, you have to press in. You have to be eager. You have to be enthused. Even when you don't feel like it, you have to step in there and do it. Mm. Got to be aggressive. You got to be brutal with your own will. Corinthians, Paul says, I've discipled my flesh. I have made my body my slave. If that does not sound violent, I don't know what does. This is the type of language we have to we have to talk. Because if we're going to be effective for the people that don't know, do you realize people that don't know Jesus are on their way to hell? That's where they're going. And it doesn't mean you have to take this and bash people over the head. No, it doesn't mean that. You just have to be a vessel and be open and be willing and say, okay, God, how do you want to use me in this situation? It happened to me. It just happened this past, not this past week, the week before. I walked into a situation, was ready to get something out of my own pride. I was like, I don't need to hear what you're telling me right now. I know you're the sales rep. I know you know more than I do, but I know what I want. So I don't need you to tell me what I need to get. And instead, I took on humility and I said, okay, I don't have time, but I'm going to humble myself. And it turns out this person needed Jesus. I won't go into it, but he needed Jesus. I'm talking about not on the side of the, the crosses when it comes to living for Christ, on the complete opposite when it comes to living for Satan. This is where his life was. This is where he is right now. I would have never known that if I would have shut the man down. 
I would have never known that this man is so lost because he's been so warped in his thinking if I would have just cut him off and said, oh, I don't have time. But it can't be about me. See, it's small things like that. I didn't beat him over the head with this. I just let Jesus shine through me. And it was amazing because I can see him scrambling for words, and I can see how lost he was in his eyes. And I'm sitting here like, I've never had a conversation with someone that was so full of the demonic. And yet, I'm so relaxed because it's the love of God. It is the kindness of God that draws people to repentance. Oh, man, he's lost and he doesn't realize it, but I know and I can pray for him. And so now we've connected and all I do is pray for him every chance I get. And as I'm talking to him, I could see him in DMS testifying how God snatched him out of the enemy and out of the kingdom of darkness and brought him into the kingdom of light. Because where the light shows, darkness has to go. Oh, man, if we choose not to go back, I'm telling you, God will use you in so many incredible ways. He will tell you and he will speak to you about someone as you're standing there, not realizing what's happened. Because the whole goal is to reach the people that don't know Jesus. It's that simple. We have to be aggressive with the choices we make. And number three, we have to be vigilant. We have to be alert. We got to be cautious. We have to be careful in protecting our new man. When Peter says the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, he's never taking a holiday. He's never taking time off. But he's looking for people who will. He's looking for people who will relax and say, oh, I think I've done enough. I think I've prayed enough. I think I've read my Bible enough. I think I've been a witness enough. That's what the devil is after. We have to be sober. We have to be vigilant. So we have to make the choice in not going back. Can I get the musos to come back up? If there is anything you get out of this, I want those takeaways to really be embedded in your thinking. Commit to it. Commit to building up the new man. Don't worry about the old man. Just commit to building up the new man. The more you commit to building up the new man, you'll see how subtle the enemy works in trying to bring in the old man. You'll laugh at it. It's like, no, I, I know what that is. That's anxiety trying to, to no, that's not who I am. I'm, I'm not receiving that. I, I know that's, that's, that's lustful thinking that's trying to get me to go, no, I'm, I'm, not, re- I'm, not, I'm not going there. I, I know what that's fear trying to bring me back to a place where I'm looking at everything from a negative. No, I'm not doing that. I choose to build up and commit to the new man. Be aggressive. Be brutal. Be as violent as you need to be. You know that fire that's in you. Bring the wood to it. 
Stir it up. Paul told Timothy, fan the flame. You're not responsible for the flame. You're responsible for fanning it. Stir it up. The Holy Spirit is fire. But we have to partner to get it going and to keep it going. And be watchful. Be vigilant. Be diligent in your vigilance. Don't let bitterness take you anymore. Yes, life is going to present circumstances that things happen, and it is so easy to not be forgiving. But why? Why when you're not a citizen of this kingdom? Why when you are a citizen of the kingdom above? Why? Why? Let your ambition be set on things that are above. God would not only give you everything that you could imagine or think here, but you'll know why he's giving it to you. Because your heart is only focused on people that don't know Jesus. Walk the walk as slow as you have to, but do it. Walk according to the Spirit. You're not alone. You can't do it by yourself. We all do it together. Don't isolate yourself. Get in community. If you're not in a life group, why not? Why aren't you? Why do you feel like you have to do life by yourself? Like, seriously. Why do I feel like I have to walk this life by myself? If I give my testimony, there are other people that have been in similar situations. But if I, don't, if I don't talk about where I've been, then how can I get encouraged by hearing someone else say, yeah, I've been there too. Everybody stand. I don't want this to be a message that you just say, yeah, it was good. Oh, he did. He did a great job. Because honestly, that, I, I don't care about that. It, it, it really, it does not mean anything to me. What means something to me is that if you take this message and you say to yourself, I'm not going back. And it's not just about your salvation. It's about you just living beneath your privilege. Don't go for that. Don't let the enemy talk you out of the things that God has said. This is yours. Every promise is right here. Every promise. Every promise. Every promise. It's for you to reach others. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. You're so good, Father. You're so good. You're so good. We declare, Lord, we're not going back. We're not going back. We've crossed the line, Lord. We've come too far. We don't want to be like the children of Israel that said in the wilderness it was better 
back in Egypt because truthfully it's not we're not slaves to the old man it's done it's dusted it's gone you settled it you finished the work we want to walk in every single promise you have for us Lord it may be inconvenient to our flesh it may not feel good all the time our emotions may run here or run there but our choices we make will be by you the truth of your word and we choose to put on and build up and protect the new man our spirit we choose to walk in the spirit have your way god in every single one of us lord i pray even the benediction right now lord and those that are up here can continue to stay up here and we'll pray with you but i pray now for the benediction for every one of us to be challenged by your word to be challenged by you holy spirit to show us reveal to us what it is that we continue to slip back into that is so subtle by the enemy that maybe we don't even see it but show us where the deception is father so that we can repent and that we can walk in the newness of life every single day. I pray your grace and your peace upon everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen.